we move out or go out. Today we're going to look at four verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 4. It says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all drank the same spiritual drink and all ate the same spiritual food. I thought the verse was up here. This you can bring up later. Uh, and then it says, For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. There's one thing I want us to do today, guys. This is it. Today is one of those days where more than what I have to say, I want us to do things together as God brings things up in our minds, in our spirits. So please don't sit here to listen. Please sit here to work with the Holy Spirit. My desire today is that by the time we are done, you will have let go of some stuff because we are in a new place, moving to a new time, new purposes with him. So please don't listen to me. Please listen to me and work with the Holy Spirit. He's telling you stuff as I am speaking, I'm sure. And as he speaks, as he lights up your mind, Work with him to do what you need to do. Yeah? Okay. Let's read the verses again. First Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 4. Almost sounds like it's uh, one of those long Paul verses, but it's not too bad. Just four verses. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. These four verses, Paul actually says, the reason I am writing this to you, the church in Corinth, the reason I am writing is, I don't want you to be unaware. The story is very clear. It's a story of the Israelites in the wilderness. It's a story of how God brought them out, how they spent 40 years in the wilderness before they entered into the promised land. So it's not a story that the people who are hearing this letter, they're not unaware of it. But then still, Paul is saying, I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to miss this thing. I do not want you to not pay attention to what I am writing, because what I am writing is going to be something you need to apply in your lives. In other words, he actually says in verse 6, if you see there, it says, Now these things, meaning the, the things that we just read, Now these things took place as examples for us. Why? That we might not desire evil as they did. So the whole reason Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's labored amongst them for a while now, the reason he's writing the letter is because he's saying, I want you to be aware. I don't want you to be unaware of what happened because there are experiences, there are lessons for you to learn from the story. And the word unaware, very simply is this. 
It's not equal to, I want you to be aware of. It actually means, do not resist what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you through it. Do not resist knowledge. It is one thing in life to know and hear, but it is another thing to say, Father, I want this to go deep into my spirit and do a work. Don't resist it. One of the things that we can so easily do is these are verses that we have read, these are scriptures that we know, there are 500 sermons you probably have heard, but then the Holy Spirit comes along and He says, I want you to be aware. I want you to be aware. I want you to pay attention because there is something here that I want you to learn. So that's what we're going to do over the next little while. I want to share a story. Subtle thoughts in our minds that resist the knowledge of God can often go unnoticed. Listen to me, please. Subtle thoughts in our minds that resist the knowledge of God can often go unnoticed. I'll give you an example. In 2017, Don and I were looking for a place to move from Vancouver to Surrey. And uh, I had been at that time in Canada for six years or so. And so we started looking and I found a place on Craigslist. This place in Langley, Don and I drive there, we go, we talk to the landlord, they like us, we like them. We're like, yeah, let's, let's move in, it's easy. Uh, and so we go, we come back, Don and I come back. There is something in my heart that's not right. Even though we found a place, it's just 20 minutes from where, uh, from where we would be living to work. So easy drive, 20 minutes is not bad. I come back home and I don't feel right about it. And two days later or three days later, I'm at a, a house church meeting. And uh, if you remember Anne and Elmer, Anne is talking. And while Anne is talking, Anne is saying, the Holy Spirit wants you to repent of decisions that you take too quickly. As soon as Anne said it, in my heart I knew what it was. Because all, all those two, three days, there is something weighing on my heart. Yes, they said yes, the house opened up, but that wasn't the right thing. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and this is what he said. Derek, the last six years of your life in Canada, every time you looked for a house or a rental, every time you needed a car, you did not go to Craigslist first. You came to me first. It's been six years now. You're very quick to go to Craigslist to find a place. This is not how I lead you. As soon as I heard it, we wrote back to the person and said, we're not taking the place. And I went through a process because I all of a sudden realized that these are subtle thoughts. Hey, what's wrong with Craigslist, man? Nothing wrong. What's wrong with that place? Nothing wrong. Place opened up, favor, let's go. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no. So listen to me. Continuous resistance to knowledge dulls your mind and robs you of God's purposes. Continuous resistance, meaning the Holy Spirit is telling, hey, there is another way to do it. But you're so used to or have become accustomed to doing things a certain way. And if you keep going down that path, it will dull your mind. It will rob you of God's purposes. And these are subtle things. So you've got to be aware. You've got to know what's happening. What happened is we came back and we decided we ain't doing this. So we, we went back to our father and we said, hey, father, we want to do it the right way. Not Craigslist, but you. You open a way. You open a door. You open a room. You open a space. In a matter of a couple of days, 
a place opens up and Don used to walk to work because it was three minutes. When we thought 20 minutes was a great deal, he opened up a place for us two, three minutes from our place of work. Why am I sharing this story? Because it's so important for us to recognize that these subtle things, if we, if we don't arrest them, if we don't arrest those thoughts where we say, where we are quick to do and operate a certain way, if we don't arrest them and say, nah, 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 this is not how my father raised me. This is not what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. So I'm going to be aware of what he wants to do. I will not resist truth. What is the truth I was resisting by going first to check Craigslist? I'm a man led by the Spirit. It's a knowledge that I know. But it doesn't matter that I know it. I need to apply it. I need to live it. How do I live it? Not going to Craigslist first. Not going to Google first. Use Craigslist and Google when you need to. Before that, you go to the Father. But if I dull my mind to that, and this is the thing I want us to understand. If I, as a person, I say, oh, that's how it is. I keep going down that path. I lose something. I am robbed of God's purposes. So subtle thoughts. Subtle things like this. Pay attention to this because it is important. Samson is a good example because Samson... Over a period of time, rebelled against knowledge, rebelled against what was right. What happened? Dullness. And it robbed him of God's purposes. I want us to read, before we go through these four verses, and what it means for us. The passage right before this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, is equally important. Because Paul is writing something to the church in Corinth. And when we read what happened to the Jewish fathers in uh, the wilderness, before that, Paul writes and he says, Guys, you are in a race. And in this race that you're in, which equates to our lives on earth, here is how you operate. Here is the modus operandi. Here is how you live. Here is how you run. And there are so many times in the scripture, you see this, our lives are equated to a race. And when we think of this race, what you sometimes do is you think of the athletic track. Where you're running with the, you know, you're running with Diana and May and Matt. And you're running around and around in circles. But my goodness, man, this race that we are on, we don't share the same track. It takes us to different places. But here's the thing. We, we do it together. There are times when our paths traverse. It comes together. It intersect. But we are on a path that God has put you on. And you're running. It takes you to different places in life. Different things happen. But in that passage, right before these four verses that we read out, and in other passages in the Bible, it's very clear how God asks us to be. How he wants us to operate. One thing he says is do not be aimless. Because you're not running aimlessly. You're not just running for the sake of running. You're not waking up the next day and living your life aimlessly. And it says you are supposed to train yourself. So the training doesn't happen there and then we go run here. While we run, we are being trained for the next phase. And this is important, guys. At this time, for us. Because God is taking us to a place. 
And the title that I have for today is Take the Land. He is giving us land. And by that I do not mean this place. By that what I mean is there is spiritual inheritance and other inheritance that the Father wants to release to us. And for us to be able to take the land that he is giving, we've got to live a certain way. We've got to leave behind some things. Then we, be, then we can walk into and access and inherit what God has for us. A couple other things about running the race before we move on. This is just a side thought, but I felt it's important to say. While you're running, do not fight battles that aren't yours. When you're running, I'll repeat it, do not fight battles that aren't yours. It's wisdom for you to know what it is that you, that you should engage in, what it is that you shouldn't. Sometimes it's easy because you're running and there is stuff happening that you go and, 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 and you'll say something for everything when God doesn't want you to. You've got to know what is it that he wants you to Go and engage people on. What is it that where he wants you to go and deal with something? You are not supposed to deal with everything that comes your way. Some of the stuff that you see is for someone else to deal with. Some of the stuff you see, you ain't doing it now. You're doing it next year. So do not fight battles that aren't yours. With respect to relationships, do not fight battles that aren't yours. Very important. Somehow I felt I had to say this today. Next thing, we have opposition, and that opposition is not flesh and blood. That opposition can be dealt with the weapons of war that the Father has given us. Ephesians chapter 6. I don't want to spend too much time on it because the main stuff we are talking about, I want to go to that real quick. And the last thing I want to say with respect to the race is this. You have to forget what is behind and strain forward, strain towards what is ahead. You have to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. So important. So even as you sit here, God is placing before us a new land. God is placing before us new inheritance. God is placing before us things we are to partake in, individually and together as a people. If you're here today, doesn't matter if you come every week or not, I'm saying that the Father has a new land, new purposes, new inheritance He wants to release. And for you to be able to do that, you will have to let go of your past and strain towards the future, what is ahead. So one of the things I want to do, and this is why I started the way I started, by saying, don't listen to me today. As I speak, I pray that you work with the Holy Spirit. As I speak, I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because if you do, I know He's going to take you somewhere. I know it. If you do, if you're faithful in saying, hey, I want this Father. There is a land you have kept for me, new things you have for me. I'm going to let go of these things. I am trusting fully 
because I have to rush through this real fast. I'm rushing, I, I'm, I'm trusting fully that the Holy Spirit will bring these things to your mind. And as, as he does, write it down. As he does, write it down. So, let's look at the first verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the first verse. It says, For I do not want you to be unaware, we talked about resisting knowledge already, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. See, on the way from Egypt to the promised land, one of the things that happened is that right above the tabernacle, there was a cloud. And the way God operated with the people of Israel is whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites were supposed to camp there. When the cloud lifted and when it moved, they were supposed to move everything to this place. Wherever the the cloud rested, they were to set camp there. So when it says here, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, what it means is, The Israelites were taken from one place to another place. And on this map, you can see the different places they were at. How did they go? Well, there was a cloud that was leading them. And the scripture says during night, this cloud was like fire. And so there would be times when the cloud will move at night. And it did not matter if it was day or night. As soon as the cloud lifted, they moved. It did not matter that it was 6 a.m. or 5 p.m. If the cloud lifted, they moved. And for us to inherit and walk into and take the land that God has for us. In fact, Jane did not know this, but this is what I wanted to teach today. And she sent me a text this morning, if I can read it. As we step into a new place, into a new place, here is what I see. I see the image of God taking Israelites through wilderness, place to place after the Red Sea. Wherever the ark went, whenever it moved, the people moved. Can we as a people now practice moving together with him, whenever and wherever, with increasing awareness of his presence and our eyes on the movement of the Spirit? I'm telling you guys, One of the things that the Father wants to accomplish with us here is He wants us to move together. Moving together means being very aware of the cloud. I almost named this sermon sermon, uh, following the cloud. It's amazing. the, The cloud rested on the tabernacle. Think about it, guys. Think about it this way. It's a million people in the desert. And there's a cloud right in front above the tabernacle. And the cloud lifts and moves. They move. The cloud settles, they camp. We are asked, we are called to be led by the Spirit, just like that. When the Spirit says go, you go. When the Spirit says stop, you stop. When the Spirit tells to Heidi, Heidi, you turn back to the person you were talking with, Heidi, you turns. This is the lifestyle that is meant for us, not just as individuals, but as a people. I'm going to tell you something. From this place, wherever we go, I pray that all of us are engaged in the direction God wants us to go. Not in terms of the place we are going to occupy, but in terms of the inheritance that is in store for us. There has to be, all of us, 
knowing the dna of what the father has given to this house saying we want that saying if you're moving this way i am moving this way saying hey maybe this is the way we have done worship all this while but we're going to change the way we're going to wor- do worship moving forward maybe the kids were making noise all this time moving forward from here on our noise will be louder than the noise of the of the of the, of the kids you're tracking me there has to be a difference when the spirit says go we go when the spirit says stop we stop and it has to first apply to our lives individually and then as a collective my goodness it's going to be so cool because we're going to start seeing things happening where half the people as we show up here we will already know what's going to happen and god would have released something to us and then the other half god would have said this is what's going to happen and it'll all come together and it'll explode we are not going to do church into the as in in the next place as in the next few months years whatever god has for us we are not going to do it the way we are used to i'll share another story last year 2021 uh, 2022 in june or july iris and i were in chennai and uh, we were at a hotel actually the night before we were like let's go stay at a hotel for the next couple of days we had a place to stay at but we, we because i was in uh chennai only for a few days i was like hey, let's, let's go stay at a hotel so that night we start googling where do we stay and as we are googling and finding out the question is holy spirit where do you want us to go where do you want us to go and so there is five six options and we find we pick this place we go there we stay there there, there that night we wake up the next day and as we wake up i have this thing in my heart and iris and i talk and the father is saying there is something that i want you to do today we don't know we talk about it we read uh, the book of james where faith is dead without actions and we just know there is something that's awaiting us that evening or that day but we don't know what it is so we talk about it we pray we go down and have uh, breakfast and as we are having breakfast there is a family sitting right next to us and uh, iris tells me see that family there is something that needs to be done with this family and so we look at them and uh seems like they're europeans or something there's you know um parents and and two kids and so we sit down we we are having our meal or our breakfast and as we are eating we begin to ask god father what it is that you want us to do because it's so clear it's in our hearts you want to do something we've been asking you we've been talking to you you're saying it is this family we have no idea who they are they're kind of sitting there how do we do it and he speaks to us and he says go and tell this man who is sitting at this table tell him that as a family they are supposed to live in difficult conditions difficult places and god while they live in difficult conditions and places will have them be very fruitful to those around them which is like a very christiany thing to say so we are like okay we'll go say so we go and tell this man this is uh, we, we just want to say one thing um we believe in jesus and jesus is saying this and as soon as we say it the guy is like pull the tables together turns out he's a pastor turns out uh they are in india and they've been asking and um praying to find out should they stay in india for a little bit should they be in india because it's a different culture they don't know how it's going to work out they have no idea if they are you know the kids are going to like it or not it's the kids don't speak english they're not sure and here comes a guy and a girl 
telling them, the Father is telling you, Jesus is telling you, you're supposed to live in difficult places. And as you live in difficult places, you'll bear much fruit to those around you. So we pull our tables together. We talk for maybe 45 minutes. We exchange numbers. On that trip, we meet them twice after that. Two years or a year later, we're still connected. We're friends. And they've been, they, they are right now in India. Because the word came, amongst other things, I'm sure. But the word came saying, this is what you're supposed to do. The thing is, if you just wake up and do something else, not knowing our purpose, it's easy to miss it. And the thing is, I don't want these days every now and then. I want these days every day. We need these days every day. We need these days every day where we are waking up with purpose. And all of a sudden the father says, send a text message to this person and say this. Who are we to do it? Sons and daughters. Who are we to do it? Men and women with the spirit of the living God living inside of them. Who are we to do it? Commissioned and given authority to do and display his works here on earth. And if you belong to this house, this is certainly the direction we are going. So they followed the cloud. And can you think of this this way? Individual stories are not what he is after. He is after a collective story. He's interested in the individual stories that he wants to write in our lives. But he's after a collective story of his bride in Acts 29, going from the place they were at to a new place to a new land, where as they move and take on new things, he will release new things to us. So I'm excited even as I'm talking because as I said, please don't listen to me today. Please write down the things that the Holy Spirit is showing you. A couple other things. Actually, I want to, because we don't have much time, I want to jump right into... The second part of that verse. So we looked at that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And when it says they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, it really means that all of the Israelites, they followed Moses because Moses was the man set by God to lead them out. Just like for us, we follow Christ. We are baptized into Christ's death and his resurrection. For the Old Testament guys, it was just a mirror image of what was to come. And it meant that they were baptized in the sea and in the cloud. Meaning they were committed to following. Even though they, they did some stuff, they were committed to following God through this man that was set as the leader. Let's read this. The next part. And all ate the same spiritual food, the manna. And all drank the same spiritual drink that actually came from the rock that uh, Moses struck and water came off it. So that's what the scripture is saying. But here is what I want to tell you. The reason Paul is writing this is because Paul is saying, do you realize the church in Corinth that these were a people who saw the cloud and followed the cloud. These were a people who ate something that no other people on earth ate on a daily basis. 
These were a people who drank a spiritual drink. These were a people who were baptized into Moses. But still, millions missed out. From that generation, only two walked into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. The children did. But the guys who stepped out of Egypt, most of them did not. And that is what Paul is saying. And so Paul's writing to Corinth, the church in Corinth is because he doesn't want the people to miss out on the inheritance that is in front of us, in front of them. For us, as I said, there is a land that's waiting us. There is a land that's awaiting us. We are going to take the land. But to take the land, there are a couple of things that we need to do. Let me ask this question. Can you tell me, what is, what is the main reason the Israelites did not enter into the promised land? Anyone can say. What is the main reason the Israelites did not enter into? So the, the fathers that we read off, what is the main reason they did not enter into the promised land? They did not apply faith to the word given. Disobedience. They never believed God. They were grumbling, murmuring. Lack of trust. They compared themselves to grasshoppers, ignoring what God said. Okay. Guys, here is the one thing that we often miss when we talk about the. And all of these things are true. Everything that we said right now is true. But you know what one of the main reasons is? It was fear. Read with me. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, 26 through 33. This is where I'm telling, stick with me here for this bit, please. Because this is so important for us. There is something that God wants to do through this verses. So listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 26 to 33. In verse 8 of chapter 1, God said, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to J and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Yeah? In verse 8, God said, Here is the land. You came out of Egypt. I, I brought you out of Egypt. I've been taking you from one place to the other place. The cloud has been moving. You've been following. Yeah, you've been murmuring. You've been doing this thing, that thing. But I've brought to this place. That is the land. Go and take the land. They had a time in their lives where God placed it right in front of them and said, that's the land. I need you to go and take it because it's been given to you. Now read this. Verse 26, yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Why? And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt and to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller 
than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. The reason they did not walk into the promised land when it was set right in front of them is because they looked at the promised land and all of a sudden they were like, oh, people are greater, taller, faster, stronger, fortified cities. That's scary. We can't do it. Fear is what kept them out. Fear. There was a place that God wanted them to enter. It's the same people who crossed the Red Sea. Same people who saw miracles one after the other. Signs, wonders, water flowing from the rock. It's the same people who enjoyed manna, who experienced the supernatural. It's the same people who could think of the day when the Egyptian army was drowned, when their chariot wheels locked and they were overthrown. The same people then came to a place where a promised land was right in front of them and they said, we're not going to go in because we are afraid. And read this verse with me. Moses responded to them and said, Do not be afraid. Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you. As a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. And in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. So here's the question, guys. For us to enter the land and to take possession of the land, we need to let go of fear. We need to overcome fear. Fear is the reason they did not enter the promised land. And my question is, can you take a minute or two to think? Because I'm, I'm very interested in us tonight going together through a process of dealing with fear. And having our Father take care of those things. So that we don't miss out on the things that He has for us. How many of you here have uh, pens? Sorry. <laughs> pen, pen. One, two. Okay, there's quite a few. There are some uh, post-it notes there or whatever you call it. Can you just distribute them? Yellow post-it notes. <laughs> Just distribute it. Share, your, share the pens. You know, how many of our pens we have here? Share it amongst yourself.
and as the guys are giving this out, listen to me, please. The question is, are you tolerating fear? Are you tolerating fear? Are you tolerating fear? Are you neutral to fear? Has fear become, become normative for you? Yeah, the pens, you don't have pens, just ask someone next to you. And next time, oh, it's coming. Thank you. And next time, bring pens. <laughs> okay, all of you have papers in, in your hands. Share the pens. But before you start writing it down, listen to me, please. For us to take the land, we have to have our father deal with our fears. We cannot inherit the land that he is giving us without having him deal with our fears. And every person sitting here is affected by fear in some measure. And so the questions that I have for you is this. Number one, is fear normative for you? Number two, are you tolerant of fear? Are you tolerant of fear? Are you neutral to fear? Are you finding yourself in places in your thoughts where fear is normal and you're okay with that fear living inside your head? Because that fear can stop you from progressing. And it robs you of inheritance. This is why Paul is saying, I want you to be, I want you not to be, I want you to be aware of what is happening. Don't be unaware. Because our fathers went through this and they did not inherit the promised land because, one of the things, fear. So keep this in mind and in our hearts, in our minds now, have the Holy Spirit reveal things to you. Write down the areas that you're afraid of, where you find fear. It could be a certain aspect about your future. It could be something that happened in the past and you think it will repeat itself. It could be something you watched, you saw, you heard of, and you fear that it could happen to you. could be what is being said in the news and you first ignore it, you ignore it again and then you're like, hmm? should I think about it? Should I do something about this? Fear creeps in. So write down those areas. This is the part where you have to work with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to shed light into your thinking. Because guys, we are not interested in a sermon. We are interested in the Father doing something with us. Write it down.
When I was thinking about fear, one of the things that the father told me is this. Fear creeps in when you identify yourself as one in the crowd and not my son. Fear creeps in when you identify yourself as one who is part of the crowd and not as my son. Meaning, in other words, Psalm 91, a thousand may fall, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Because whoever who wrote that psalm, they did not find them as part of the crowd. If it was Moses who wrote it, Moses who led the people through the wilderness, believed that plagues can come and go and it can affect different nations. But it will not come near me because I'm not one among the many nations. I'm not one among many I'm his son. I'm his daughter. So interest rates can go up. But you're not one among the many. You are, you're his son, his daughter. There can be massive layoffs. But you're not one among the many. You're his son, his daughter. Fear can cloud your mind. It can cloud your mind. And so right now, Holy Spirit, reveal to us areas where fear is sometimes subtle. Subtle. It's creeping in. And it's trying to make a stronghold in our thinking. But tonight as a church, as a people, we are recognizing the trick and the ploy of the enemy. And as a people, we are standing against fear. Individually first, before we do it collectively. We need to understand that fear, at the end of the day, is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. Bible says, the spirit of fear. It's a spirit. And our Lord reigns victorious over every power, every spirit. He has defeated them all. So identify fear as a spirit. You have to know what you're dealing with. It's a spirit. This is where what James said before is important. In life, with what is happening, we have to ask, Abba, help me to discern what is happening so that I can see the root and I deal with the root, not the symptoms, not the waves, not the water, but the storm. So the reason I'm fearful about this is because I'm actually fearful about something else. And behind fear, there is always a lie. 
there is always a lie behind the fear. Here is the thing, guys. One of the things that I'm going very slow because I'm not interested in finishing this thing. I'm interested in us working with the Holy Spirit to do something. In uh, where it says, perfect love casts out fear. If we can get to a place where we understand that, that perfect love is not our love. It is His love, which is always perfect towards us. Perfect love casts out fear. So it's not your love that has to be perfect for the fear to be cast out. It is His love that is already perfect, which is for you, that casts out fear. One of the questions that the Father is asking right now is this. I want to love you. Are you available to be loved? I want to love you. Are you available to be loved? Perfect love casts out fear. Let me love you well, Derek. Let me love you well, Jagan. Allow me, Nick, to love you well. Let me love you well. This is, on one hand, when you read uh, Acts chapter 2, you see Peter speaking in much, with much boldness to a large crowd and 3,000 being, people being saved. And you can say this is all because of what happened in Acts, chapter two, yeah, in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit came down. It is very true. But I can tell you one thing, man. Peter, after the resurrection of Jesus, found himself in a completely different place when it came to understanding Jesus' love for him. This guy who denied Jesus three times found himself in that room where the women came and said and asked Peter and the other disciples, go to Galilee. When he heard his name first, he knew and he understood that Jesus asked them to do so. He knew that all of those things that he did that he was beating himself up for, that was taken care of. I'm very sure Jesus spent time specifically with Peter. On one hand, it is because there was a commission given to him. But on the other hand, the task that was ahead of him, it could not be done with fear. And yes, the Spirit of, Spirit of God came down. And when the Spirit came, he was anointed with power. But there was fear that needed to be dealt with. And it was dealt with. Next one. Let's put fear there. I hope you wrote down what you needed to write down. 
We have about 10 more minutes, so I need to rush. Second thing, guys, there are so many things we can talk about in this story. But somehow the, the idolatry part, the murmuring part, somehow I don't even have it on my notes because I felt I'm not supposed to touch on those things today for us. The second thing, interestingly, that God wants to talk to us about is self-pity. Self-pity. Self-pity is when you find yourself in a place where you're sulking because someone has done wrong things to you, things that you did not deserve, or you feel like you did not get what you deserved. Iris is smiling and cannot <laughs> control her smile because I have struggled with sulking. Sulking is when you feel like I deserved it or I did not deserve it. Why did that happen? I remember having a conversation with Iris months ago where I said, actually beginning of this year, where I said, this year I don't want to sulk. Self-pity is a dangerous game and the father wants us to be aware of it. See, the best guys fell for this too. So you can be encouraged if you suffer through this. <laughs> Elijah suffered with this. Why? On one day, he had Mount Carmel experience. The prophets of Baal have been defeated. And then he hears the news that Jezebel said, I'm going to finish you. As soon as Jezebel said what she said, here is what Elijah did. Elijah was afraid. We dealt with the fear part. And then he came to the bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestor. ancestors. Here is the guy, one chapter ago, was on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal were defeated. And a few verses later, he is telling, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I want done. Just take it. Take my life. I'm done. Self-pity is where you begin to sulk, where you begin to tell God, I've had enough, this is too difficult, I don't want to do it, it's been going on for some time, I don't know, I don't want to deal with it, it's too difficult. Self-pity, 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 cycles, patterns, you find yourself in. And God's response, most of the time, interestingly, before he tells you what to do, is sit up and eat. Stand up and eat. Arise and go and take a shower. I know it doesn't sound very spiritual, but it applies really well. God's response is, he sends an angel to Elijah and says, Arise and eat. But uh, arise and eat. And then now that you've eaten, now that you're in your senses, let me ask you, why are you here? And then... God has to take him through a process of showing him again. I am here. I am speaking to you in this still small voice. Self-pity. If you are listening to me, and if you find its roots in you, write it down. Two days ago when I woke up, I heard this line that I want to say. Because one of the things, I didn't hear it for myself. 
I believe I heard it for what I was preparing for, for, for this message. The line that I heard in conversation between two people and one person is saying to the other, you're already defeated, why bother? You're already defeated, why bother? So in areas of your life where if you have been told that you've been defeated, if you've been told that you've been at it for years and months, but nothing has come out of it, why bother? Actually, it, say, it said, you're already defeated, how can you win? Not why bother. You're already defeated, how can you win? The message that the Father has for you, if this is you, is this. You're not defeated. You're not defeated. The enemy is saying that you are defeated. The enemy wants, to believe, wants you to believe that you're defeated, that you're done and out, but you're not defeated. Rise up. Rise up. There is a land that is kept right in front of you. Take the land. Do not waste your time in self-pity. Recognize it. Nip it in the bud. And the third thing, guys. I'll finish with this, and then we'll spend some time together doing something. The third thing that the Father wants us to be aware of is unbelief. Unbelief. In Mark chapter 9, there is a man whose son is suffering from a problem and he comes to Jesus and he says, listen to me please, I know the kids are here, but listen to me please. The, the man comes to Jesus and he says, I need my son saved. And Jesus says, if you believe. And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. It's one sentence. I believe, help my unbelief. If you find yourself in situations where yes you believe but you're also saying help my unbelief I believe help my unbelief I believe you you're good but please help my unbelief it's a good prayer to pray you don't have to make yourself non-human and think that, no, these feelings, no. These feelings, when they come, pray it. I believe, but help my unbelief. Because he responds. He absolutely responds. He truly responds. So these three things that you guys have written down. At the end of this, here is the question he's asking. You've written down some stuff. Derek... Am I always good? Vidisha, am I always good? Diana, am I always good? Because if the question is, am I good? The answer is yes. It's a resounding yes in this room. The question he's asking is, am I always good? Do you believe that I am always good to you? That there is not a single second when I'm neutral about you, that I'm always loving, always planning, preparing for you. Do you believe that I always 
love you? Am I always good? Am I always good? Guys, again, I believe, help my unbelief. If that's your response, respond it that way. If you believe he's always good, amazing, good for you. It's a great place to be at. But if you find yourself at a place where you go, I know you're good, but then there are these things in my life where it doesn't appear so good, so I need help. That's a great response too, because he'll deal with it. He'll help you with it. So then, if you've written down these things, I want you to stand up. Only if you've written down stuff. You don't need to do it if you don't have it. But if there are things that you've written down, and you're saying, I need help. There is a land that is kept right in front of me. Guys, I know I'm five minutes off, but we'll finish in five minutes. There is a land that is kept right, in, right ahead of me. It's my inheritance. I want it for myself. I'm also part of a people. As the cloud moved, the Israelites moved. And I want to live a life where every day, I move with the cloud. Every day, I move with the Holy Spirit. Every day, in my thinking, I'm with the Holy Spirit. My thoughts are first with the Holy Spirit. Before my actions are. I listen to Him. When He asks me to go somewhere, I go. I speak what I've been told to do. But then it doesn't end there. Father, these are the things, the fears in my life that I've written down. I recognize that these are strongholds. I recognize that there is a spirit of fear at work. And I ain't prepared to give it any more room in my life. If you are one of these men or women in this room and you're saying, I will not give it room. I recognize that it's a spirit behind fear. And I'm not prepared to give any room to the spirit of fear. My father is always good. He's not sometimes good. He's always good. And if you say, yes, I struggle with self-pity. I sulk sometimes. It may not be predominant in my life, but I find myself in places and times where I sulk. There is self-pity. And you're saying, I'm going to lay it down. When you say, rise up and eat. When you say, rise up and walk. When you say, rise up and do these things, I will. I'm not going to default to my old ways of thinking. I will move ahead in the things that God has for me. Guys, even as I am speaking, respond to God. Because your words, your thoughts with Him makes the difference. It completely changes the play playing field. When you're in it with Him and you speak His words... When you're in it with him and he shines light in your mind and you say, yes, I see it. This is the path I want to go. He will do it. And third, unbelief. If you have written down areas of unbelief, things that you need help with, here is what I want you to do. Put that piece of paper down. Wherever you're standing, put it down. Put as in on the floor. Put it down on the floor. The whole point of everything that I'm, I'm saying is this. There is a land. There are things, purposes waiting for you. You cannot enter into the land and take possession of the land unless you let go of these things. You can't do all of these things in your flesh, can you? You cannot. 
but can the holy spirit help you yes you cannot do these things with your thinking can you no but can the spirit of god do something yes and if you believe this put that piece of paper down and have your one feet on that paper as a symbolic representation of this which is i will not give any room to this stronghold i've recognized you and i bring you down in the name of jesus christ guys here is what paul wrote he said pull down strongholds and take captive every thought that is against the knowledge of christ it's not for pastors to do it's not for someone else to do this is for you to do for your life here is what it says pull down those strongholds and take captive every thought that rises up against the knowledge of god so in the name of jesus christ if you believe you're saying i've recognized it the spirit of god has enlightened my heart and the spirit of god is now pulling down those strongholds and as i walk out of this room not because someone said so but because the spirit of god is with me and i work with the spirit in this matter i walk out as a man as a woman who is different you may have had a stronghold in my life but from this point on i'm victorious from this point on i ain't going to be afraid of you from this point on i'm going to be like a joshua and a caleb who doesn't care about what the many people around them think but they look at the promised land and they say i have seen the hand of god upon my life i did see him taking me through the red sea i did see him doing the miracles and the wonders that i saw you may not believe it but i believe it he is always good to me who always loves me and i'm in it because he is in it with me and so father we come as a people this is your people this is us we can't do these things with our strength but we've taken that first step everything here on it's yours to do but we will work with you we see the promised land we see god purposes we see god things we see your hand you we see the things you we, you have awaiting us and we say we are in it we want it we desire it we are walking into those things with you trusting in you you're with us we will follow the cloud we will not be a prey to self pity we will not de- we will deal with unbelief by trusting in you we will say help and you help when we can't do it you'll carry us and when we can do it we'll work against it we'll speak against we'll tremble it and when it comes to fear today you have released your favor upon us and you've released us from fear we thank you in jesus name i pray amen cool guys that is it for 